on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, December 13th. MLS Cup is over. New York City FC are your 2021 champions. I'm going to give you a little bit of just what I saw on that game. Nothing horrible, not great, but still uh, a pretty good performance for, for, for New York City, their first uh, championship. We're going to get you updated on LA Galaxy news. Obviously, two trades went down. Dan Steras, Ethan Zubak. We're expecting Sebastian Legette to eventually go. Uh, we'll give you a sort of maybe an updated timeline on that or just so we understand why it didn't happen a whole bunch of things. So we're going to do that. Got full schedule release coming out on December 15th. We'll talk a little bit about that expansion draft tomorrow on the 14th as well. And if you've noticed, the panda's not here. Uh, no, Kevin, he's on a cruise. This is one of the few times he actually takes off is right around this time of the season, which I always laugh because it's usually like this busy little time for him. And he probably should still be here. But at the same time, when is he actually going to take off? Because news can sort of always, he should go over MLS Cup, I think, maybe, as long as, long as like, you know, the stuff, uh, the st- as long as the teams he's covering aren't in it, he should take that off, because I think that's more of a, a quiet time, or the, or the week leading up to MLS Cup sometimes as well. So Kevin is off on a boat somewhere. He has no cell coverage. Uh, his wife likes it best that way, so hopefully he's having a good time there. Uh, he will be back for next Monday. Next Monday is our last show of the of the year. Um, of the 2021 year, and then we will come back in 2022. That will be our our winter slash Christmas extravaganza. Uh, I'll wear uh, um, an ugly sweater, I'm sure, uh, and I will tell you about the time that I saw Santa Claus. Um, so if you want to get your kids ready for that on a Monday, uh, that I would I would suggest you do that. It, it, I, I think it's uh, I think it's very much uh, um, you know uh, set for them, so it'll be good. I do have one other Santa story before I go. Um, before, before I start this and talk and talk about MLS cup was, uh, it was my sons were sort of celebrating his birthday this weekend. He was, he was, he already had his birthday, but, um, he was celebrating it with my nephew who was born on the 15th and Jake was born second. So, you know, you have all these things. So they decided to have a Paw Patrol party, uh, to themselves on, on Saturday, but Santa drove by in a, in a fire truck, the whole deal later that night, we're out walking. And of course my son thinks he sees Santa Claus everywhere. Um, so we're walking down the street, looking at some some Christmas lights, and this gentleman exits from his car and walks across the street past Jake, and Jake looks at him and goes, oh, Santa, ho, 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 Merry Christmas, right? And it is a, a wonderful man. I'm sure he could have been Santa. 
I, I, I don't want to say he wasn't Santa, but I do want to say that it probably wasn't Santa. It was just a guy with a gray beard and gray and, and the white hair and, you know, maybe, maybe play Santa at some Christmas parties or something like that, but he saw it. Um, and so that's, that's where we're at and sort of seeing things. All right. So just want to say, keep your eyes open. Santa's out there. Um, and my son apparently sees them everywhere. Uh, my son's big takeaway was Santa gave out goodie bags whenever he drove by on a fire truck. Uh, and, and, uh, so he got a cookie in that, in that bag. Uh, and so my son now sees Santa every time and asks where his cookie is. So that's always fun too. All right. Um, that was my little sort of Santa talk for this uh, episode, full Santa talk coming up next Monday uh, for the best, uh, I think the best, best Santa story. So uh, definitely tune in for that. Let's talk MLS cup real quick. Uh, Just yawn for most of that game. Yawn for most of that game. Uh, I think that the Portland Timbers played like the Portland Timbers that lost four to one to the galaxy. I felt like any sort of advantage they should have had at home uh, didn't go that way. I thought New York City controlled most of that game uh, and then got absolutely robbed on a foul call that is one of the clearest foul calls in the history of Major League Soccer. And once again, Major League Soccer referees and VAR shy away from making changes. Uh, there's no way that if the center referee goes and looks at that on TV, on the replay, that he sits there and says, oh yeah, that's definitely a foul. You're not giving referees the full picture and MLS has to. I think they do the best job out of anybody in terms of the clear and obvious moniker, but you also have to definitely, definitely uh, give give the center referee a chance to look at some of these things. Um, so it's it, it's laughable that New York City had the game stolen from them in regular time. They're just fortunate. I think MLS is fortunate. Um, that they didn't get this wrong and then Portland ended up winning. And I thought Portland would win this game. Uh, I saw Matt Doyle was mouthing off again about, you know, saying the East was best. Uh, the top of the East was very good. Um, like the top two teams, uh, the, the top four to six teams, maybe even seven and eight teams. Whenever you realize it weren't separated that much in the Western conference, the Western conference was a much more difficult conference. And I'm pretty sure head to head Western conference absolutely spanked the Eastern conference. So no, um, but think about the, the playoffs for MLS, right? Think about what we have seen just in this. We saw RSL get in on a blown call. So cheaters advance into it, knock people all around, uh, change the outlook of the entire Western conference because MLS can't get a call, right? Uh, then you had New York city who advanced past a COVID ridden Philadelphia team. So asterisk there. And then you have like one of the biggest blown calls in an MLS cup outside of the goal that, was it Columbus one on against Portland in Columbus where the ball went out of bounds and then they scored a goal outside of that call. This was one of the monumental calls. So MLS not exactly shining in the playoffs. Uh, and for me, and I, I, I am never the person to say this. So this is, this is set. The, the playoffs are starting to take a little bit away from what I see as, as good quality soccer. Um, it, there is, and John said it in the chat room. He's basically taking the single game elimination. Too much of a chance. They, we have to figure out a way to get back to doubles. Uh, two games, the best team wins. Most of the time, that's what happens. Uh, there can be surprises, certainly, but the best team wins out of those two games. If you play well for two games against somebody home and away, then there's, there's, you have something there. Um, but they're, they're cheapening the playoffs 
with these single games and then looking at, I mean, if Philadelphia had another week, do they get people back enough to be able to, to put something up against New York city FC? So we have to pare it down. I'm not saying you can't have the same number of teams in there. Um, but you either have to extend the playoffs, um, or you have to start giving, you know, like, uh, more buys and and different ways. There's gotta be a way to do it, but you can't maybe less teams. Maybe that's the answer. I mean, that's fine. Um, I will say this. uh, I thought it was exciting once Portland scored. Um, but the travesty of how they scored and sort of the, the egregious foul that happened really took a lot. Remember, I was the one who was like, I don't like New York City FC celebrating beating Philadelphia when they were like on their crutches and they're like kicking their crutches out from underneath them. I didn't like that celebrating on the field. And then somehow I switched during that game to being New York City got robbed in this game and I hope that they win and they did. Um, so, you know, I don't think MLS can sit there and say that they had a great final. They'll tell you they had a great final. And I think that, People who stayed long to watch that game would be like, okay, okay, you know, you were there. And certainly scoring late in stoppage time in order to tie it up and then going into extra time and then PK, sure, that's it. Um, so it's it's all of, it's it, it, was, it was fine in moments. And whenever you look at the highlight package, it will be exciting. But I don't think you could look at that and say, oh yeah, that was a home run for, for Major League Soccer. Um, I did like Joe Biden tweeted out about New York City FC today. That was nice. Um, so I, I I enjoy the the prestige and the honor that comes with, uh, you know, an MLS Cup winner right now and being from a major media market as well. Maybe that means they'll actually pay attention to them and maybe they'll get out of, uh, you know, uh, Yankee Stadium as well. So um, that's where we're at. I, I think this is, this is the big thing that MLS is going to have to try to fix because the playoffs were bad this year. Um, they have been bad. And so now they have so many teams in there, um, which I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine. But I would rather it go down to like the top five teams or the top six teams, the top four teams. If we're going to play double legs and actually get real playoffs for everybody. And eventually MLS has to be comfortable enough. You know, there's all these predictions right now. MLS going to take over the NHL is going to pass the NHL in terms of popularity here pretty soon. I'd like to see the TV contract confirm that we have not seen that yet. Um, but you know, they're talking about soccer taking over the NHL soccer, taking over major league baseball here in the coming years as well. That's great. So then start having some real things that you have to do here. MLS, you have to, you have to make the playoffs better. Um, and this single elimination wasn't it. That wasn't it family. Um, not a, not a fan. So that's where we sit with MLS cup. Those are my feelings. Again, remember I was all Portland's going to win. No problems. Um, didn't happen that way. And that's fine. Portland played like crap portland portland played like the team that the galaxy beat um and for everybody saying oh well the galaxy weren't good enough to make the playoffs one they had enough points to make the playoffs uh as shown by rsl having the same number of points and getting in um and the team that they uh that ended up going representing the western conference was a team that the galaxy looked good against all three times they played um and really outside of the red card first game uh, with Williams in there, they were in that game and then eventually got blown out. So don't tell me that they weren't good enough. Um, they, the galaxy were, they, they need to fix some things, but I don't think, I think you have to think that with the core that the galaxy have, if they add the right pieces, they do the right things that this team will improve without adding anything. You would hope the players who were here last year and started under Greg Vanny are going to improve. If you're seeing a, 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 pullback in that improvement if you're seeing a backwards march which we have seen with this galaxy team as constructed under gbs this first year there was improvements you expected to see those same improvements second year you didn't get them um 
so you have to see that from Vanny, and Vanny's now on the hot seat for this, that he has to see improvements. Galaxy can't start slow, um, but they also have to understand that the the way that they play and how they play are very, very important. Uh, two trades happened, obviously the Dan Steris trade and Ethan Zubak. I'll get to those here in just a couple minutes and sort of tell you what how we have to, I think, look at these uh, and tell you about Sebastian Lejet as well. So we'll sort of do that. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to update you on, and again, I don't know that we'll have a super, super long show today, um, but I wanted to get you updates on some things and, and sort of progress you through to the Thursday show so that way we can gather some more information, especially with the expansion draft happening tomorrow, December 14th. Um, that's a big part of this. So expansion draft taking place. It's not really anything that the LA Galaxy need to look at. Um, they are exempt from this. And we've talked about this before when Joe Corona was picked by Austin and they eventually lost him and he went to Houston. That's a whole fun MLS travesty in itself. Um, but whenever that happened, the LA galaxy were exempt from this round of expansion and technically Charlotte and Austin came in at the same time. They didn't, they were year separated, but we consider them as part of the same expansion move, which means that the teams, the five teams who had players picked last year, which include the LA Galaxy, whenever Austin picked Joe Corona, they're not eligible for this one. So we're the LA Galaxy are exempt from this expansion draft, and that's how that happened. Uh, I also would tell you, MLS released a big long list of, of players who were available in the expansion draft, those that were unprotected on most rosters, and I think you have to protect 11 players. I honestly didn't pay attention this year because the Galaxy didn't have to worry about it. Um, but they picked a certain number. They were allowed to protect a certain number of players and a certain number of players are left off. Um, a lot of players obviously come in there. Do not read into this that that means that teams are not interested in these players. You can only protect a certain amount. Designated players are not automatically protected. And if they have a no trade clause, you must protect them with one of your picks, all that sorts of thing. So don't look at this list and say, oh, well, the Galaxy should go out and get some of these guys. There's very few of these guys who are actually available um, openly on the market right now. This is just a protected list. So when you look at December 14th, when you look at what this expansion draft is going to do, and again, Charlotte gets five players, five players and five players. That's it. Um, you can see a whole bunch of things that sort of happen, but there was a half day trade window on Sunday, which is where Steris and Zubak got traded. Um, and it's only a half day window just because they want to get everything in before they get through this expansion draft. Then once the expansion draft is through, they're going to open up the window and then the window will be open. That includes free agents being open, all that types of thing. Uh, if you're wondering, former LA Galaxy players are on the expan unprotected expansion list. Uh, I ran through and tried to grab all of them. So Hector Jimenez from Austin is on there. Perry Kitchen in Columbus is on the unprotected list. John Kempen from DCU. Uh, Joe Corona from Houston, Ari Laster from Houston, Ima Boateng, AJ De La Garza from New England, and Omar Gonzalez from Toronto are all of the, um, are all of the, the, the LA Galaxy, I think former LA Galaxy players that I could find real quick that were on the unprotected list, just in case you wanted to know that again, no bearing on what the LA Galaxy are doing and how it goes. But what will happen is after this draft is, after this expansion draft is completed, Charlotte gets its five players, just five now. I think it used to be like 11. If I remember correctly, back in the day, the expansion drafts like teams would get 11. Um, and so it was it was a lot. And you it was pretty hard to escape your team having someone picked. 
Uh, and I think it, at one point it was like, well, your team can't lose more than two players. It's like now it's one and you're done. And there's, you know, 27 teams and there's not. There's 22 teams, I think. 22 teams right now that you can actually pick from uh, is much different than whenever there were like, you know, 12 teams and you could pick from 11 of them and you pick two players and, you know, it was a whole, whole crazy thing. So anyway, uh, times have have changed. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, so the, the big deal is that after this expansion draft is everything will open back up. Trade window opens back up all sorts of things. So that means transfer window, trade window, all that stuff can go on and start again. Uh, the funny thing is the expansion draft will, will be completed tomorrow. And I think it's immediate that the trade window opens. So you can start seeing other deals that are done and that type of thing. Uh, the full MLS schedule, by the way, this is craziness in terms of what we're used to and expecting from major league soccer, the full MLS schedule, which means we'll get all of the LA galaxy's 32 other games that we don't know about right now. Um, Will be le- will be released on Wednesday, so we will understand the Galaxy schedule on Wednesday, and on Thursday we'll have a live show and we will talk about that schedule. So good timing for the live show, um, but getting it inside of you know before the end of the year is is pretty much unheard of. That being said, we expect teams to go into training camp middle of January, so there's not a lot of time to to sort of turn this around and, and make things go. Um, We already know the LA Galaxy know two of their 34 games. The LA Galaxy will open with defending MLS Cup champions, uh, New York City FC. Uh, That's a that's a fun. I think there's a there's a Twitter handle called uh, MLS title title MLS title belt MLS title belt, something like that at MLS title belt. And basically the idea is that the belt is is worn and defended by the champion. So New York city FC have the championship belt. And if the LA galaxy beat New York city FC, then they will hold the championship belt. And this goes through the whole season. And then the next game, the galaxy have to defend the belt. And then this has to happen and blah, blah, blah. And you go all through the year trying to figure out who will have the belt at the end of, you know, the, the year. And so it's always fun to watch. So the LA galaxy will have a chance at the quote unquote fake, but very fun to sort of pay attention to MLS title belt on their very first game whenever they open up against New York City FC. And then we know they travel to Charlotte, who will be constructing their team right now. So not a lot of turnaround for Charlotte. Uh, Galaxy know two of their 34 games. Galaxy know two of their eight interconference games. So the Galaxy will play eight Eastern Conference teams. That means that they, they already know two because the first two games are both against Eastern Conference opponents. So there will be six more that come about. So um, basically 28 teams in the league, uh, a wide open schedule. We'll see if the Galaxy gets sent to East Coast again for New York Red Bulls, those types of matchups, trying to find out, you know, sort of where the league uh, prioritizes those Eastern Conference things. And certainly remember Nashville, who I think we're going to talk about here a little bit, with Ethan Zubak, Nashville doing a bunch of business and is joining the Western Conference. They are going to be a very difficult team to play as well. So um, there's a lot of stuff to sort of uh, get through. And a big shout out to Aaron for a $5 super chat. Um, and Aaron says, I'm giving you $5. So that means I must have traded a valuable player to you and got nothing in return, except in reality, I get this great podcast. Well, thank you, Aaron. Yes, I hope I hope you find some value in our podcast. Um and I hope that you understand <laughs> that sometimes the galaxy don't get all of their value out of stuff. Uh, we're going to get to that, those trades here in just a second. Um, let me just check my phone just in case we got any messages. I know this is why you guys like the singular uh, live show. I do this whenever I'm actually, um, you know, talking with Kevin or Eric or any of the co-hosts as well. And I try to give people some time off right now just because 
I know that it's the holidays and it's not always, you know, the best time and trying to get everybody sort of, you know, having their batteries re recharged and ready to go for the next season that usually kicks off after the new year. So, uh, I wanted to give you just a little bit of an update coming up. End of year waivers is coming up on Wednesday, December 15th. What do you need to know about that? Not much free agency will open immediately after the, after the waiver process is over. The re-entry draft is, is about here. The first and second stage of the re-entry draft. We'll try to get through all of those as we go. Uh, Friday, December 17th is the first stage of the re-entry draft. These are mechanisms in which MLS allows allow players to move without having free agency to everybody. So this is the that that method. Whenever you see waivers, that's one method. The the re-entry draft is another method. Basically, people who are out of contract but still have their rights held. And that's important to look at whenever we talk about somebody like Ethan Zubak. Now, let's start with the Ethan Zubak trade because I think it's actually a little bit more of a not a not a difficult one to, it's just a little weird in terms of how it goes now the LA Galaxy traded Ethan Zubak to Nashville uh Nashville in turn gave the LA Galaxy a first round draft pick their natural first round draft pick wherever Nashville finished overall in the Western Conference or excuse me in the overall table that's how we pick we pick in reverse order so Nashville's up near the top so the Galaxy will have an end of the first round uh pick when coming from Nashville now Ethan Zubak going to Nashville. Not unsurprising, I would say that for the most part, I thought that Greg Vanny got what he could out of Ethan Zubak and that there was probably a want from Zubak to go somewhere and play more minutes and have sort of an impact or at least get a chance to do that. And there was probably a want for the LA Galaxy to try and, you know, move him to a place where either he would be happy or at least try to get some value from him. And in this particular case, they get a first round draft pick. Uh, and I would say that they offload salary, but that's not really what happened here because Ethan Zubak's option was declined. So here's the question. The LA Galaxy declined the option and then they trade Ethan Zubak. So what are they actually trading to Nashville? Uh, what they're trading to Nashville is the rights to Ethan Zubak, right? Because they don't have a contract with him. Uh, they do hold his rights probably because they were able to decline the option and he's not eligible for free agency and he could have probably, maybe he's a waiver draft guy or a re-entry draft guy. And perhaps he still takes a look at that uh, whenever he goes to Nashville. I have a feeling that he is already talked to Nashville and they're more than willing to sort of accommodate him and bring him into uh, the fold. I will say that the LA Galaxy... Um, I had heard about this. So we, we knew about the stairs thing going down and we sort of, you know, pre preface that. And then as soon as the show got done on Thursday night, we heard about the, the Zubac thing. Um, and it wasn't my news. So it's not something I can report right away. Sort of have to let everything play out, but I knew it was coming. And so we were sort of trying to figure out what would happen. Um, so with Ethan Zubac going and, uh, Alex, uh, always in the chat room says galaxy at the 21st overall pick in the draft because of Nashville, Nashville's position overall out of the 27 teams that finished, um, in the regular season. Uh, so Nashville's, uh, you know, first round pick goes to the galaxy and Ethan Zubac, we get a first round, the LA galaxy get a first round draft pick for that. That's it though. Um, and like I said, there was no salary really that was offloaded because the salary was already offloaded whenever the LA galaxy declined the option. So, you know, I had numbers, uh, back in the day and basically they're not the exact same numbers, but the, the galaxy have offloaded so far. And this includes with, with Stara's and a big asterisk. And we'll talk about that, uh, about $4.4 .4 million in salary. And Ethan Zubak going, um, was already part of that particular, uh, you know, uh, little piece. So he was about $133,000. So it's not a lot of money. Um, but certainly when you look at what Nashville is doing, uh, with 
trying to get some depth at forward, Zubak plays a part of that. Nashville also got Teal Bunbury. Uh, they got Ethan Zubak, right? And then they have Lobo, uh, Loba and Sapong and Rios and Henny Mukhtar as well in their forward depth chart. So they have all these forwards now um, that they're able to sort of put in and Ethan Zubak will be competing with them for that. They're talking about a Nashville team that's very strong defensively, uh, that sometimes has str- trouble scoring goals, but found a way to do that during the regular season and didn't find a way to do that in the uh, postseason one game and they were done as well. And then they couldn't take any penalty kicks either. So maybe they were looking for Ethan Zubak to take some penalty kicks. Maybe, maybe that's how it goes. Um, Ethan Zubak, very nice guy. Uh, at the beginning of the year, the Chicha whisperer, right? You're talking about the guy who, who every time you would come on, Chicha would score goals. Uh, I talked about a guy who played a role, you know, a guy who can hold up the ball a little bit. Maybe does not great with his back to the goal, but he was able to hold the ball. He was able to turn sometimes and distribute. He even played on the wing at the beginning of the year um, and filled a lot of holes there. So Ethan Zubak did all he could for that $130,000. Now goes to Nashville, who are making a killing on international slots. So they are very much a domestic based, uh, you know, team. Whenever you look at it, that Nashville has acquired $1 million in general allocation money for four international slots. So averaging $250,000 a piece on the international slots. If you want to know what the going rate is, that's about it. $250,000 for an international slot. Um, so Ethan Zubak going, but again, remember the galaxy didn't really even trade a contract player. They traded the guy who they had the rights to. And so Nashville now has the rights to Ethan Zubak. And I'm sure that they've worked something out, um, in order to do that. And probably a new contract with Nashville, uh, probably similar to what he got with the LA galaxy, but still that's, that's sort of where it is. <laughs> I think that I think Ethan's getting married here pretty soon as well. So congratulations to Ethan. He's going to Nashville, going to hang out with Dave Romney. Uh, former LA Galaxy player over there. And of course, the Galaxy will face Nashville twice this year because Nashville's in the Western Conference. So that's that one. I, I will tell you that the first round draft pick, it, it's a bit of a throwaway, but you know, a first round draft pick is less of a throwaway than a third round draft pick. And that's where we go whenever we talk about Daniel Stairs. Now, I know there's going to be a lot of people who who are surprised by this. Um, I, I don't know if I said this on Thursday, uh, but we knew that there was that that Stares was going to go. We knew that the Galaxy wanted to trade Stares. We knew that Stares probably wanted traded. I don't know if Dan asked for the trade, but the writing was on the wall. It almost doesn't matter, right? The Galaxy were pretty much like, we know we're not. We know we're going to move you, and you know you want to move because we're not going to give you the playing time. So, however that happens. The Galaxy wanted to move Dan Steris. Now, I was talking to somebody and they said, I said, you know, what are the chances that Dan Dan moves? And they're like, well, if they can find a spot for him, then they're going to they're going to move him. But that already indicates something. And it's something that I don't think people get. And I think people get confused by as well, is that there was a question whether or not they were going to be able to find a place for Dan Steris. All right. Now, as much as uh, certainly myself can be in, you know, the Dan Steris fanboy and understand. And I also, by the way, I love defenders uh, because I play defense and I think their job is thankless. Um, I will say that Dan Steris to me has a lot of value in terms of being a domestic center back and all that stuff. Now he's 31 years old, which works against him now. Um, but as a defender, you can be a little bit older and still be uh, a, a good defender. So we heard it was Houston. We knew that that was going. Uh, some of the people I talked to, I said, hey, do you even know what it's how you know what the deal is going to be for? And they're like, I wouldn't expect much. I think the Galaxy really just want to offload the contract. And I think we understood that as well. And with four hundred and thirty something thousand dollars, it's not even that much. I always want to overstate it. Um, let's see. 
393, that's what it is, $393,000 and some change. So just under $400,000. Uh, it's a, it's a steep contract. Now we have talked about it on this podcast. So I know that my listeners know this already, but I'm going to remind you the LA galaxy picked up Dan Stairs's option this year. They didn't do it because they thought they were going to get, they're going to pick it up and then trade him for some magic amount of money. The LA galaxy were required to pick up the option. All right. They were mandated by the contract that he signed in 2019. Right. And there was even the galaxy picked up an option in 2018 on Dan Steras. And then I think Dennis DeClosa in 2019 um, picked it up for uh, sort of a new contract in the 2020 range. Right. So it was the off season of 2019, which was into 2020. Um, that's whenever they signed the new contract and that new contract had performance clauses in it and performance metrics. I don't know what those were. Um, but I would imagine it's a certain number of minutes or a certain number of games played or games started, right? And if you're the LA Galaxy and you're trying to put a contract together, you're going to say, okay, Dan Starris, who we've tried to replace 7 million times, we're going to replace you. And so I'm sure Dan Starris' agent was like, all right, well, let's say he does play X number of games in either of these seasons to meet a certain metric. If he does that, then we want to have a third year tacked on. And I'm sure the Galaxy were like, we're going to replace you. We've tried every single time. So they went ahead and did that. Um, and then Dan in the first year in 2020 started a whole bunch of games and played a whole bunch of minutes. And between those things that sort of happened, it automatically triggered the option here in 2022. So Dan Stairs has a contract in 2022 with the LA Galaxy. All right. So that is where that's where the pickup option comes in. But don't let your friends, you're going to talk to your friends or they're like, I can't believe the Galaxy picked up his option and then, you know, traded them and didn't get anything for him. That type of thing. The Galaxy were required to again. Now, here's the thing. The trade with Houston is this. The LA Galaxy trade Dan Starris to the Houston Dynamo. Houston Dynamo in turn uh, give the LA Galaxy a third round draft pick. That's the headline that everybody read. Then... The subheadline was the LA Galaxy will retain a portion of Dan Stairs' salary against the cap, which means the LA Galaxy are paying a portion of Dan Stairs' almost $400,000 salary to play for another team. Now, you can be upset about that, except that we have no idea what the numbers are. And this isn't a defense of this is I, for me, it's an indictment of the front office, which is tell me what the numbers are so I can make a. So I can make an estimate on this and tell you whether or not this is a good deal or not. If the LA Galaxy are paying like $25,000 and they got rid of Dan Starris and they cleared almost four, almost $375,000 of cap space, then that is a good deal. If the LA Galaxy are paying $275,000, only clearing about $125,000, and they're paying most of the salary that Dan Stairs is getting in Houston, then that is a bad deal. A guy you're going to have to play twice because he's in conference. We talked about that with Ethan Zubak in Nashville. He's also a guy you're going to have to face twice against Houston. There's opportunities for him to play and start in Houston. All right. And as far as I know, there's no performance metrics because usually they say that and think, but we don't have the information. I reached out to the LA Galaxy to try to get that information. I did not get an answer back. All right. So I have no idea how to judge this. You would sit there and say, okay, um, you know, it, it, why couldn't you get, why didn't anybody get any general allocation money? I said at the beginning of this that the people I was talking to indicated that there wasn't a lot of interest league-wide for somebody like Dan Stairs. And because of that, we can almost assume... There's, there's two assumptions we could make, and you guys get to 
get to figure that out. And and Cam asked a great question. Um, how will how will that appear with the MLS you know players association releases the salary guide next year? I doubt we'll see it. I doubt we'll see it. Um, it'll just be Dan Stairs's full salary against it. I don't think they're going to show Dan Stairs on two teams because I don't. I've never seen anybody on two teams. So I don't think you're going to see it on the on the guide. There won't be a breakdown. You won't see it. Um, you're just going to get a number of his salary on the Houston Dynamo. All right. So that's the thing. There's two assumptions we can make and they're that you can't have. They both can't be happening at the same time. Number one is an assumption that we can make might be wrong, might be right. But an assumption we can make about the Dan Stairs deal is that was the best offer the LA Galaxy got. Okay. I, sink that. Let that sink in. If you're the LA Galaxy, you know you have to move him. And by the way, I think that's also an assumption and maybe a false assumption that you have to move him. But like I said, there was writing on the wall. We talk about Sebastian Legette. Sebastian Legette is going to go. Do you need to trade Sebastian Legette? No, you don't. But we've talked about it on Thursday night and saying certain that Greg had, had questions about Sebastian Legette, whether he could fit into the system. I think the same can be true to, can be said for Dan Starris. And both people knew it. Greg Vanny and the LA Galaxy knew it, and Dan Starris knew it as well. And so he wanted to go somewhere where he could play. So that's it. That may have been the best deal the LA Galaxy could have gotten out of that. And if that's the deal, if you have all these deals, you know you're going to have to move him, and you know you're going to move him because you want the roster spot, and you want the salary relief, even if it's not the full salary relief, and that's the best deal you got, then you moved him. I can understand that. It's, it, it sucks that you put yourself in that position, but I can understand that if that's the best deal. The other thing that we could say is Dan Starris wanted to move and he wanted to go to Houston. And Greg Vanny said, okay, I understand. Even if we have to pay a little bit of your salary, we're going to get you to Houston. All right. Um, so there's, <laughs> I, I don't know how to view this. You know, the other thing is the galaxy made a bad deal. Uh, and, and by the way, I would suggest that Greg Vanny said, you know, hey, Dan, you're not on our plans anymore. We're going to try to move you. And I would then suggest that Chris Klein and Jovan Karofsky go about the contract and, and go about the negotiating to, to get that done because that's what has happened in the past. And so far in the power vacuum that is the LA Galaxy right now where they haven't explained how everything is broken down, that's what we're going to, going to assume. All right. So that's, that's something to pay attention to. And Cameron, again, asks a very... Good question. Cam's on fire. Good job, Cameron. Um, why not loan Starris out like like the Galaxy did with People Gonzalez? You have to have somebody who wants him outside the league and is willing to pay him a certain amount of money. I don't know the. I don't know that there was interest there. I mean, I didn't hear of any other teams. I would have heard about other teams. I believe um, on this. I'm, I'm not perfect, and certainly, let's talk a little bit about the front office. Uh, that was a little more open under Dennis DeClosa and is certainly more shut down and more closed now under Greg Vanny and Chris Klein and Jovan Krofsky. They're going to operate much more in that vacuum, in that that closed off, we're not going to talk to anybody. And Greg Vanny doesn't seem like that guy anyway um, of, of how we make these deals and and what we do. All right. So if if you're used to hearing everything that goes on in the front office, I think that that's going to be a little more quieter now. Uh, and I think the reasoning behind these deals won't be explained as easily. Um, that's just that's just the nature of a different administration and a different way of doing things. Uh, so that's where you're at. So that's where you get for Dan Starr. So everybody who's upset at the LA Galaxy, you might be right. This might be a horrible deal. The LA Galaxy took a lazy route or they did something 
for a player because they respected the player and they wanted to get it done, just like Bruce Arena has done many times and has lauded and respected about, about it across the league. And if that's the case, then the Galaxy made a, a, a decision to take less to get out from under the contract and move on. Or it was absolutely the best offer that they had and they knew they wanted the roster spot and they know that they wanted to move on. So again, we don't know, and this was always one of my big arguments, is that if you don't know how much you're paying for a player, if you don't know what the transfer fee is, if you don't know the numbers behind it, how can you possibly, possibly make a decision about whether this is bad or good? Now, on the face of it, this this seems bad. Right? This is bad. Um... But again, I, I hope I provided some alternate options for you and why it may not be bad. Um, this may have been the best that they could do. So all the thing. Also, I mean, there is some some culpability here, um, although I think it's minor. Uh, you know, going back to Dennis DeClose, I'm looking at the the contract that sort of was was put in front of Dan Stairs. If you didn't think that he was going to be there for the long term, um, and I think that it's borderline that he isn't on the same level as Nick DePew and would be your second starting center back. So I think that, you know, one injury away, Dan Starris could have been your starter. Uh, certainly we saw this with Dave Romney, uh, go somewhere and succeed. Well, get ready for Dan Starris to come score a goal on you. Um, that's one of those things as well. So, uh, I, so, so Eric says, I just think a good GM could have sold sold Dan Starris to Charlotte for 50 or hundred K in general allocation money. Again, sure. I mean, that's great, except that that never materialized. That's not, it didn't happen. There has to be interest from both parties. We, we talk about this all the time in trades is you have to have something that somebody else wants. Um, and as much as I agree with you that I think a domestic defender ready to start, ready to lead a back line, plenty of years of, of experience in major league soccer is relatively healthy. Even at 31 is a good expansion. I agree, but it doesn't seem to have materialized that way. Um, you know, if you're trying to sell a car on, on, you know, auto trader or Facebook or wherever, uh, you can want $3,500 all the, all you want for your 1983, um, Chevy Malibu, but that doesn't mean anybody's going to pay you for that. You know, sometimes you just have to trade it in so that way you don't have it anymore. And you just, you know, you just, it's zero. And maybe you paid some guy 250 bucks to take it off you because it doesn't run anymore. doesn't seem the case in Stara's, but at the same time, that's, that's, that's sort of where it is. I mean, you know, we can't, you can't force these things to happen. So, um, as I agree, there's some questions about this, but we don't have the information to make the answer. Now, I think the galaxy should tell us flat out. I think the galaxy should tell us, I think they should tell us how much they're paying for stairs. If it, if it's a good number, if it's $75,000 and you're sitting there going, okay, that probably makes sense. You're clearing 400, you got 75, so $325,000 in salary cap clearance. I think everybody would take that. Um, so that's, that's sort of where we're at with, with stairs. I, I don't have an answer for you, whether it's good or bad on the face of it. It feels not good. Um, but I just, I, I don't have that sort of there right now. Um, it's, this is, this is an interesting time just for the galaxy now, because we've seen players go out now we're our total, uh, let's see our total roster right now, as we look at it, 22 players total, we know that Harvey and people Gonzalez are also guys who could be loaned down or loaned out. And we expect people Gonzalez will be loaned out again. Um, so you're looking at 20 players. So now the LA galaxy have room to add 10 players. 
and so far have cleared, and again, we have to put an asterisk because we don't actually know how much they've cleared with Steris, but let's say they cleared most of his salary, and I'm just putting the full amount in there so you can sort of understand, is 4.4 million. Now, 2 million of that is on the designated player side, but still 2.4 million of that is TAM plus cap space in there as well. So, um, that's that's something to keep an eye on as well. But currently at 22 players, Galaxy's still in talks with Sasha Kleshin and Victor Vasquez and possibly goalkeeper Eric Lopez as well. Although we'll see if that sort of pans out and plays that way. Uh, I, I think that that maybe is a is a question that the Galaxy will have to try to figure out uh, here relatively quickly. But uh, there's a core. There's a core in place. We know there's a core and we can sort of see where the LA Galaxy are, are going out. And by the way, I mean, let's just throw back to Dan Stairs and a little shout out before he goes um, is is a guy who has possibly one of the most famous assists in LA Galaxy history. Um, so and, and I think unheralded a lot of times in what he did. And certainly he was a defender on a team that liked to give up a lot of goals. Uh, during a time when the defense had very little identity. Uh, one person does not make a defense, which is why the LA Galaxy have struggled by bringing in people who they think are individuals instead of making a system. I think Vanny went a very long way, actually, in in sort of fixing some of that last year. Um, so I have a feeling that there will be a, a good improvement uh, in 2022 from the defense. But you have some questions. Certainly, do you, is is Nick DePue going to be your starting center back? Is there a question mark sort of filling that? You have Sega Koulibaly in there as well. You have Jalen Neal who's coming up. You know, if Rekranis is in there, you have a lot of guys who are ready to sort of make some some moves in there, but you don't have a clear-cut second starter in the center back, and I imagine you're playing four in the back right now. Um, so it was a very uh, uh it, it's it's one of those things that you look at with Dan Steris is that I would expect that he goes and has success wherever he goes much like Dave Romney you put him in the right system and he will thrive in that uh Dan Steris uh tweeted out said thank you LA Galaxy for giving me the chance to represent my hometown it's been an absolute honor to wear the crest and play for this city and fan base can't describe what it has meant to me and my family Dan Steris Leaves the LA Galaxy. You had Ethan Zubak, who also gave a little shout out, said so many emotions right now, to say the least. First and foremost, I'd like to say thank you to the LA Galaxy. I spent almost a full decade of my life at the club, going from boy to man and achieving so much in soccer and life between. Thank you to all the amazing people that made that journey incredible. So two guys who have been it. Now longest tenured players, Julian Araujo and uh, Efrain Alvarez, I believe, on the LA Galaxy. Uh, whenever Sebastian Lejet gets traded, of course. And we're still expecting that to sort of happen. So that's something to sort of uh, keep an eye on as we go forward. And there's more rumors that are sort of starting to swirl. It seems like the legit and New England thing will happen. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's New England. I don't have a lot of original reporting on this. I'm just sort of watching around um, and sort of seeing, th seeing things. Tom Bogert obviously was tweeting out that um, that New England and, Seb and Sebastian Legette aren't aren't necessarily ready to be done that. And, uh, and Legette's agent said that those talks are premature that said everything is done. We told you about the four to five teams that were interested in Sebastian Legette. We talked about Dallas and Austin and Colorado and Charlotte, as well as new England in there as well. Um, there, I know that Sebastian Legette has been tweeting and posting, I think mostly on Instagram, uh, from Miami and Becky G has been in Miami. And I think that they were sort of, um, 
vacationing uh, and having a good time, but there's talks that changes from Becky G and sort of seeing where things go. I would imagine that she's thinking about relocating wherever Sebastian Legette is. And I have a pretty good idea. They know where that is. People are saying, well, could he go to Miami? Uh, let's see. Miami just acquired Brazilian central midfielder uh, Jean Mota from Santos. Uh, Mota is 28, made more than 200 appearances with Santos. This was all according to Tom Bogert. Um, should fit in nicely alongside uh, Gregor and, my, and Miami's midfield. So that was Tom Bogert saying, I don't think that Legette is going to Miami, uh, but I do think it's probably East Coast. And I still think that New England is probably that place. So keep an eye on that. The reason it didn't get done during the short window is because it wasn't ready to be done. All right. It wasn't ready to be done. And... Um, and we sort of we hinted at that on the Thursday show that there was a lot of stuff still to get to and to do um, before that got done. A person I was talking to said it would take a couple weeks to get it done that we have not been a couple weeks yet. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it gets accelerated. And as soon as the expansion draft is over, we start getting into, you know, the the, the waiver drafts and the free agency and that type of thing that Sebastian Legette and that move will be finalized and gone. So he's going to be gone. Um, still thinking that that's New England as of right now. Uh, that will be a different move altogether. We know there are five teams at least interested in, which means that there are packages that will be coming back to the Yellow Galaxy to take Sebastian Legette. And I would hope that Greg Vanny and Chris Klein and Jovan Karofsky look not only at the best deal, but also what's right for Sebastian Legette. Again, building that sort of reputation within the league is super important to players wanting to come and play for the LA Galaxy. Understanding that they will treat you as human beings instead of telling you that they won't trade you and then trading you, aka AJ De La Garza. Um, they have a lot to make up for and everybody in the league knows that that happened. So this is something that they're, they're, they're going to keep sort of working on. So, um, that's where we sit with, you know, Sebastian Legette. Now, to give you an update on Christian Pavone as well, uh, don't know anything that has changed. I would say that we're in the same position that we were at, um, that they're certainly interested in Christian Pavone. In Christian Pavone. Uh, Pavone had a two-assist, two-goal weekend whenever they won 8-1. Boca won 8-1 over Cordoba. Um, I don't know if you can really take a whole bunch about, or about that in terms of, you know, looking at where where he's sort of uh, going and, and what he's doing. But, you know, four goals now, four assists. Um, and he is playing, uh, you know, I think is starting to step up a little bit. I think he knows that there's some transfer interest as well. Um, so Christian Pavone starting to score, do all that stuff. It, here's, here's the deal of how we're going to frame Christian Pavone from here on out. If there was a change in status of his case somehow, then we will update you on that. If there's not, we're not going to rehash it every single time. And we sort of had this rule last time we were talking about Christian Pavone. We will update you on how he's playing. We will update you on whether or not the LA Galaxy are, are going after him and how that happens. Um, but we're not going to sit here and try to, uh, it, it just ends up us repeating ourselves over and over again. So if there's updates to that, we will sort of give you that update and let you know how that's going. But right now, um, you know, Christian Pavone's, I think, still very much on the radar for the LA Galaxy. So just keep sort of watching that as it, as it goes down. Now, there was a new rumor, and I love how everybody thinks that, like, these rumors come out, and all of a sudden, I know whether or not they're real or not. I have no idea. Um, there is a Salvadoran, Jairo Henriquez, all right? I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, uh, plays for uh, Aguila in the Salvadoran First Division, uh, plays on the Salvadoran national team, has played very well for them, um, you know, in some World Cup qualifiers and some things like that. So this is a guy who's getting considerable press now. Uh, 28 years old, 
he's a winger. Where have the Galaxy been focusing a lot of their attention on wingers, whether it's Pavone um, or someone else? Now, this seems like a depth piece more than it's an outright starter or it's an option in order to swing stuff in. Maybe Greg Vanny wants to go to more of a 4-3-3. Maybe he can play on a wing behind Grand Sierra. Maybe you're going to have, you know, Araujo on the right-hand side, Grand Sierra in front of him, and then you have Enriquez or, uh, you know, Grand Sierra all the way up top and Enriquez underneath. There's ways to sort of spin this and do things as you're looking at it. There's still a giant hole, I think, in the middle of the field for sort of a central attacking midfielder. You're looking for a cam. This guy isn't it, but I've seen highlights from him and certainly is a talented player at 28. You're getting him in his prime. And I would imagine he's not overly expensive. All right. I don't know if this is real. Let me, let me rephrase that. Cause last time somebody, I talked about something and they're like, Oh, well, Josh says Josh talked about it. So it must be happening. I don't know. Uh, this came out a couple hours before I even started to do the show. Not enough time to sort of track stuff down. And again, more insulated front office this time likes to operate much more in closed, quiet places understood and so it's harder to get information and all those things perfect that's fine we just have to work a little bit harder at it so we'll keep an eye on this to see if there's any news to it but it's interesting right we've seen signs of a defensive midfielder right we've seen signs of wingers now um we've seen 26 year old tyler boyd right that's a question look at where the rumors are at least popping up and it gives you an idea of maybe that the la galaxy are going for some depth at wing or possibly to shift formations with a three forward set um, maybe more of a three midfield set. So a four, three, three, uh, who's going to play in the center of midfield. The Revelison sort of can fit in a four, three, three. You have to have strong wingers and wingers who are able to do this. Perhaps, perhaps Henriquez is sort of that guy who could come in and play both sides of that ball. Um, so it's something to watch, um, all of this stuff. Um, it is certainly, uh, it's it's an interesting sort of turn in terms of you know where they're going, but it, again, I think it follows a line that we're all sort of expecting. So I'm not going to sit here and say that no, that that doesn't make any sense. It does make sense um, to sort of look and and see how that does. Um, we talked about Boyd. We talked about Victor Felipe Mendez as well, the 22 year old Chilean, uh, and he is a defensive midfielder again, a guy in the center of the field. To me, it feels more and more like it's a four three three, or certainly it's a four four two in some fit or fashion. Um, so uh, as far as I'm concerned, these seem to be fitting uh, the the sort of layout that the LA Galaxy are going for. And Eric brought up a good point on Thursday, which is if you have enough creative wingers, then do you need a number 10? I would still argue you do. And Pavone could be, listen, Pavone comes back, he's going to wear a 10. So, I mean, we'll argue about whether or not he's actual 10 because uh, he's not. He's not a straight up playmaker from the center of the field, but that's fine. The Galaxy still think, I think, need a 10, but can Victor Vasquez fill in at that 10 role? Can Sasha Kleschen fill in in these midfield roles and back up? There's lots of stuff now. The Galaxy have about 10 spots to work with, so they're going to start adding these pieces together, and there's still a designated player sort of spot open there. And if it's not going to be Christian Pavone, then things really open up. And part of me hopes it's not Christian Pavone just to see what other ideas the LA Galaxy sort of come up with for this designated player. Uh, because I think that, you know, chasing after Christian Pavone works. If you're going to get him, then go get him and stop this, you know, sort of belly aching arguing that's going on and, and get it and get it done. Um, that being said, super complex to try to do that. There are multiple teams, and we have already told you that, interested in Christian Pavone. Um, saw reports again that there's still four or five teams that are interested in Christian Pavone. So the Galaxy aren't aren't doing this alone at all. So that's where we're at. 
uh, in terms of this LA Galaxy. I'm trying to think if there's anything more that I sort of, I, I did find this interesting. I don't think we got to it the last time. I'll just bring it up before we go. Uh, the MLSPA put out a player uh, survey and they asked the players a whole bunch of questions. And one of the things that uh, they asked was if you could play for any MLS club, which could it be? And Atlanta came out as number one, but both of the LA clubs also finished near the top. So LAFC and the LA Galaxy because living in LA is great. I would imagine that if you combine the votes for LA that they overtake Atlanta and people were just sort of split on whether it was LA Galaxy or whether it was LAFC in terms of where they wanted to go. And that probably stole enough votes to make Atlanta the number one. So if you're really looking at this, LA probably the number one destination for MLS players. That is still a thing. And that is a thing the LA Galaxy have to take advantage of. If you watch what LAFC is doing, this is a year for the Galaxy to take a step forward, to solidify a place in Los Angeles and be the better LA team. Now they have been in terms of beating their rival, right? But that that's not always the most important thing. It's about finishing above your rival. It's about beating them on the field, beating them in the standings, being in the playoffs, being that dominant Western Conference team. The Galaxy have to start to do that, especially if you think that LAFC is perhaps in cost savings mode. All right. And that the pandemic wrecked them a lot harder than it ever wrecked the LA Galaxy in AEG. All right. So this is a big chance. And using the do you want to come to LA and play for the LA Galaxy is a great marketing tool and it should be used a lot. Don't, you know, this is one of those things where it's like, don't shy away from it. Lean in, lean in hard on this. The, there, people want to come play in Los Angeles and the LA Galaxy should provide those people a place to play and get a discount. Bruce Arena used to get discounts on people. It's time the LA Galaxy got back with Greg Vandy getting discounts on people as they bring them in. All right. But you have to have a winning record. You have to w have a winning mentality. You have to have a winning team on and off the field in order to be able to do that, to convince people to come in. And right now, the Galaxy don't have that. Um, so this, this start with these trades, um, certainly with the Steros trade and the question marks around it, don't exactly give everybody a warm and fuzzy feeling that they want to come to the LA Galaxy. If they were a little more public about it, maybe it would make some more sense. Or maybe it's really bad and they never want to talk about it. They just want to get it off the books and go. That's also That was also a problem. So that's where we're at uh, with the LA Galaxy. Like I said, just a short little update for you today, saying that 54 minutes almost coming up uh, in just a little bit. So still still kept it, kept it long and kept rocking and rolling through it as well. So that's okay. We got there. I'll check the phone one more time just to make sure there's, uh, there's nothing going on. All right, we're good. So I think we could probably end it. Uh, we have a show coming up on Thursday. I don't know who the co-host is going to be. Hopefully it's not me by myself because I know you guys are sick of it. Um, and I'm a little worn out with it too. Um, but we'll get somebody on to, uh, to be a co-host on Thursday and, uh, get you guys closer to our holiday break that is coming up. And then of course on December 20th, it's our last show of 2021, by the way, um, this tonight is my 900th show. Uh, this is corner, of the corner of the galaxy's overall 900th show. Um, so 900 times I have sat down in front of a microphone and talked about the LA Galaxy with people, without people, solo, multiple, you know, four co-hosts, two co-hosts, uh, one co-host talking to players. Uh, so as we look back sort of on this year and, and show number 900, uh, certainly my highlight for this year, and I don't think it's a surprise, is having Landon Donovan on this on this program. So a uh, big shout out to LD for, for coming on the program in, in 2021. Uh, again, we did a lot of shows in what feels like a short amount of time. Um, and even went through that break that everybody, that international break in June, remember that crap? 
get ready for more of that eventually too. So we'll get there as well. So anyway, 900 shows. Thank you so much for everybody for listening. Um, because these shows don't happen in a vacuum. I mean, they do, which is just not as much fun. And you certainly see the chat room always being, you know, all sorts of fired up and giving me the good answers and correcting me whenever. See, whenever I'm solo, it's just like the chat room is the co-host and that always helps too. So certainly appreciate that. Hopefully on the podcast, it translates as well. Please make sure you get over to YouTube um, and sort of follow there as well. So that is what we have. That's our show, live show coming up on Thursday night. Then one more show, live show on Monday night. That is our holiday slash Christmas extravaganza. I don't know what that means, except that I'll be wearing an ugly Christmas sweater and telling you about the time I saw Santa. Um, other than that, uh, hopefully we'll wrap everything up that happened uh, coming up on Thursday and then on Monday, close everything down. All right. Uh, I think that does it uh, for me. Uh, I hope everybody has a, uh, a wonderful, wonderful rest of their week. We'll catch you back on Thursday and uh, hopefully we'll have some more galaxy stuff to talk about. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerthegalaxy.com where you can find our podcasts. Uh, you can also go to YouTube, like, subscribe. That'd be great. Really appreciate that. Uh, go to any of your podcasts that you listen to, rate, give us a little review. We certainly appreciate it. Always like to see those. All right. I think that about does it. For me, I'm Josh Pato Guessman, hoping everybody has a great rest of the week, counting down towards the holiday break. All right, uh, everyone, have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful rest of your week, and we will catch you on Thursday. Have a great one. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast, and be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>